You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. What's up, guys? Just wrapped up an incredible conversation with Marge Toure, which you're about to listen to. Um, you know, this guy is all about it. Amazing energy, uh, amazing level of ed- ed- education in the subjects and the topics that really, really matter. And the way that he translates and his thought processes into, you know, communication, which is really impactful, um, is inspiring to say the very least. And if you're listening to this right now, I know you're going to get a whole lot of value out of this conversation. Right before we get into that, I just want to highlight our incredible membership community, Friends of the Truth. If you're down to connect with really empowered, like-minded individuals and have your fire stoked by, by others, and as well as that, participate in six live calls a month if you're down, you know, for as little as less than a dollar a day and head to friendsofthetruth.co and learn more about it there. And if you're interested in joining us, you know, on our eight-week transformational program for individuals to really embody, you know, what it means to to be an individual and to um, embody your own unique potential and to walk your own authentic path in life, then head to riseaboveTheHerd.co and you can either sign up or you'll be able to uh, join the wait list. We're recording this episode a little bit earlier, so I'm not sure what the status of that is going to be. Um, but all those links will be in the brief. We appreciate you. We appreciate your support. We appreciate the opportunity to keep having these conversations. So enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Here for the Truth. This is episode 136. We have an absolute legend with us here today, Marge Toure, the founder of Black Guns Matter and the Solutionary Community Center. He is a political activist, educator, and philanthropist. Marge has traveled to all 50 states with his nonprofit organization educating people in urban America about their Second Amendment rights. Black Guns Matter focuses on safe and legal firearms, knowledge, conflict resolution, and the importance of the Second Amendment. After years of serving the country with the help of donations and voluntary support, Marge opened the Solutionary Center located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and not only provides local BGM classes to residents, but offers a host of community support, class trades, and skills to people free of cost. Now, Marge is currently repurposing the BLM acronym and ushering in, ushering in a new wave, Black Libertarian Movement. He is spreading the libertarian message of freedom and liberty, taking it into communities that need it the most. Marge, thanks for being here for the truth. What's up, man? Thank you all for having me. I appreciate you all. Nah, man. Ab- absolute pleasure. We've, we've been looking forward to having you on for a while. Um Dude, one way we always like to kick this one off, particularly with first-time guests, is we want to dive deep into your personal story, um, your hero's journey, some of like the major catalyzing transformative moments in your life that you think really led you down this path, man, because it's quite a unique one. Um, I, I just was raised in Philly. And um, if you notice, most cities, um, when, you, when you live in the city, you don't go generally, the, the, the people that live there don't go to the places that tourists go to. And so for me... Um, when I was in school, I used to take tours of like City Hall and tours of um, like the art museum and tours of William Penn's print shop and Independence Hall. The Constitution was signed right up the street from the house. And so I would go to these places. And as I was reading certain things about, you know, African history or African-American history or world history, um, and freedom and these fights for revolution and liberation and things like that. I was I was also reading books like the autobiography of Malcolm X. My you know family members gave them to me, and I saw all of these same struggles 
as it related to firearms and just freedom in general, they all were the same to me. So when I'm learning about um, William Penn getting land um, from, you know, land being given to his father and his father gifting a lot of that to what became Pennsylvania, him saying, you know, and obviously there's two sides, three sides to every story. But the things that I was being taught at that time was how he wanted Pennsylvania or Philadelphia more specifically to be a place of freedom of religion, freedom of choice, freedom of whatever. And um, this overarching theme of freedom and fighting against tyranny, I didn't have anything to make to someone to tell me that these things were separate. Meaning, um, you know, some people will say there's a difference between the fight for freedom that, or the desire for freedom that Harriet Tubman had, and it's somehow different than fighting against a different type of tyranny. And so no one was there to put that separation in my brain. So I was equating all of these great freedom fighters, you know, uh, Benjamin Banneker and, and creators and, 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 and Frederick Douglass and Ida B. Wells and all of these different people to Santley Overture, the, these things kind of like in Philly and going through all of these different uh, historical sites. There's a lot of history, American history in Philadelphia. And seeing that and not having those filters or those separations, I was able to call, um, you know, somebody fighting for freedom in America in present day at that time when I was in school and someone fighting for freedom in different eras and people in different parts of the globe. I grouped them all together and it created a weird amalgamation, like a hodgepodge mix of my understanding of freedom. There's, you're not going to tell me that um, Malcolm X or El Haj Malik El Shabazz was not fighting for a certain type of humanity and freedom. It may have been less extreme as Harriet Tubman fighting for actual freedom from captivity, but these are freedom fighters. You can't tell me that George Mason and Thomas Paine um, or Bastiat, these men and women, you know, um, aren't, didn't weren't, weren't fighting a different devil on a different level, mm. but they're still fighting going in the direction of freedom. So that kind of like was the the origin story of the things that at the time I had no idea would be turning into what I'm what we're turning into now. But it was a good it was a good basis. I always use the example of um, when basketball players that are great in high school, like Kobe Bryant, who's obviously also from Philadelphia as well. Um, when you're six, six and you're a great basketball player that's been playing basketball for since you were two, when you're six, six in high school, you're going to play every position if you're great because your coach is not going to tell you you can't bring the ball up, you you can't be a shooting guard, you can't be a forward. And at 6'6 six, six in high school, you're pretty much a center too. Mm -hmm. And so if he would have went to college, they would have said, you're 6'6, six, six, you're a two guard, and that's it. But because he skipped past that process and then went into the NBA where he's now the size of some point guards, the size of a small forward, he still was able to escape the cementing of a, somebody saying you have to view this thing this one way. You're mm. six, six, you're a two guard. So with me leaving high school, not going to college and continuously always reading and having this, this history buff thing and going to all of these different places and Gettysburg and, you know, Williamsburg and all of these different places up and down the East Coast that had some Boston. I was able to get up, get a broad understanding without the cementing of somebody telling me, well, this is the type of freedom that you have to align with. This is the type of freedom. You know, if you went to a rural or suburban school, they may only teach you about the strength of George Washington. But I was learning about the strengths of George Washington 
as well as his fuck the police mentality. And it was, and that's 100% what he had when he um, and his team took a boat across the river on this, on, you know, Christmas Eve to go kill a ops. That's a military mission. And to me, you can't tell me that that's different than John Brown fighting against who happens to also be white fighting against, you know, he was an abolitionist fighting against slavery. You can't tell me that um, Harriet Tubman carrying a firearm when it was so-called unlawful, even though it was in alignment with the Constitution. Um, you can't tell me that that's fighting against a different type of tyranny. So my skill set was sharpened in a space where I didn't have anybody um, trying to put a, a, a ceiling on my understanding of liberty and fast forward however many years. And now it's my ability to translate freedom on different levels from different perspectives for different people is what's been very, very beneficial in our fight to overturn some of this anti-gun legislation in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what is freedom? Freedom is the ability to man maneuver throughout this life when and where you want, unencumbered and uninhibited by outside forces. And if you look at it from that perspective, we are not free. You know, off camera, when we were talking about, you know, the COVID thing and, and, and you know, in different parts of the globe where someone would attempt to tell you that you can't go spend your money in the store if you don't wear a mask or if you don't have this jab, that is not freedom. Freedom is the ability to assess risk and decide what you want to do, regardless of outside forces. Freedom is the ability to um, do what you want, especially on your land or your property without the state coming to bother you and ask you questions. Freedom is the ability to express our love for the person that we choose to spend the rest of our lives with without a license to do so. Freedom is the ability to, I want to build a deck in my backyard and I don't need a permit from the government to do it. Freedom is the ability to, I want to just get enough fish for the week for me to eat off the land um, like bears do without having to pay a, a game warden or a hunting commission or something of that nature. I could go down a hundred different types of licenses that we have in America that are direct infringements on our freedom. And so um, the beauty of the earlier question of me recognizing that some of the founding fathers were very limited government and very leave me the fuck alone and seeing how we've been coerced into this conversation that one, it separates. They say, this is the type of freedom for you type of people. This is the type of freedom for you type of people. And then they also do that and say, even though we have our own sovereign energies from different nations, now they're trying to obliterate, um, you know, nations of having their own identity. And um, it's a it's a it's an unfortunate attempt that these people are trying to do, whether they're lizard people that some <laughs> conspiracy people say, whatever they are. Um, that's a joke, everybody for like, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, Maj believes in lizard people. Um <laughs> But whatever type of person you are that is attempting to try to stop the sovereign nature nature of humans, it's going to be a bad day for you because you know the spell is 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 deep, but it's weak. We can break that spell of introducing or or the attempt to stop introducing people. We can break that spell of not attempting to not introduce people to freedom. We can break that with a little bit of common common sense, a little bit of understanding of history a little bit of bravery and courage and a little bit of working together as we've done with Black Guns Matter. And that only is isolated to just the gun component. But a gun is a slither of the overall freedom concept. Um, when you talk to people like in big cities or even, you know, whatever part of the you know type of neighborhood they live in, rural, suburban or urban, when you ask them, you know, hey, 
do you like the, in the big city, you might say, do you like the Philadelphia Parking Authority? Do you think that on public streets, um, if you stay there for two minutes longer than the two hours that they say you can be there, um, if they write you a ticket and you don't want to pay it, do you think that it's okay for the government to take your property, tow your car? The general public will say no. Then we need to have legislation to remove that. When you have someone that lives um, in a city or urban area and you say, if you pay for you, if you get a loan on your house and you pay the loan off, why exactly are you paying property tax on something that you own? And then you start to see how we have been thoroughly indoctrinated in this thought process of a lack of freedom. Yeah. So I think America um, has never been free. All of Americans or the humans that were on the landmass known as America has had a good founding document as it related to freedom or documents. And we were more free at certain times, but my ancestors in this place, the ones that may have been brought here, because there were also folks that were here before then, those people didn't get to taste freedom the same way. Um, and now everybody in America and the rest of the globe is being inculcated into this concept of a lack of freedom. And so I aspire to educate and inform people about as much of the freedoms that I understand by pulling from this, you know, standing on the shoulders of these great women and men and their fight for freedom. But I also aspire to show people, um, to, you know, inspire them to action by showing them how unfree we are. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not even like a joke. It's, it's like almost dangerous. The founders to this place would be disgusted. Um, French revolutionary folks, like I mentioned Bastiat and Rousseau and these types of gentlemen and ladies, um, they would be disgusted. And we should be equally disgusted, not only of how much freedoms and liberties we've allowed the state to encroach upon, but also um, with how much we are uh, not recognizing and upset at how lack of how much lack of freedom we do have. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well said, man, on that front. Yeah. And the episode right there, we're just calling it freedom. There we go. <laughs> has there, has um, there ever been a free civilization? Yes. People of the Songhai, Kemet. There's already there's always generally from my understanding there's always been hierarchies, um, but there's also been free societies. Hmm. I think Western civilization struggles with um, thinking that African or Arab or Eurasian nations way before in, in today's of antiquity, we think that we're the pinnacle of freedom and we are not. We are the pinnacle of creating, uh, starting with limited government that identifies what freedom is, but we don't look at the Timbuktu. We don't look at, again, like I said, the people of the Songhai. We don't look at these places that were 100% free. There's free free civilizations um, in the Sentinel Islands in Northern India, that spot where the government of uh, India says, do not go there. The small amount of people that are there will fucking kill you if you go there. Um, they have their own free civilization. And I think a few years ago, some guy that was saying he wanted to like spread Christianity to that place in Northern India, he went there and they fucking killed him. And so um, I think they are a free society. Um, free Freedom to me is, again, don't leave me alone. Just leave me alone. There, there should be no outside interference with the people or collectives or individuals because that's what the largest republic is. I mean, the smallest republic, the, the individual. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there has been free societies. Um, there's always groups of people that 
if it's spiritual, for lack of a better term, I don't really know another way to identify it. But there's always people that's attempting to try to infringe on other people's freedom. And if it's like good and bad, that will be the determining factor. If you operate in like God, you're promoting and respecting other people's freedom. If you're operating like a devil, you're encroaching and trying to freeze other people's freedom. And so I think there's always been that battle. I think that um, the to the extent that the the free people are willing to use violence to defend those freedoms determines the level of freedom that there is. I think that the more and more government or the state throughout history or the people that run government to try to convince people to vote in their own disinterest, whether that's modern times or way back, I think that the more they recognize that, you know, the general public is well understood of freedom and willing to fight to defend it, you have more freedom. Um, but I think that right now, Americans more specifically, we have become such an empire and so comfortable that we think we're free. Everybody's told they're free. No one's shown how they are free or how to be free. And most people don't recognize that you have to fight for freedom. It is something as simple as hunter-gatherer, you know, I'm bigger, I have more muscles than you, so I want you to do this. That is a form of encroaching on your freedom. Or it could be the puny guy from the hunter-gatherer situation that's like, I'm not as strong as those other guys, so let's get three weaker guys and we'll conspire to get rid of those stronger hunter and gatherers, whichever way you want to look at it. I think that when we're advocating for more of the encroachment, we're doing devil shit. And then when we're doing more of the highlighting and just respecting somebody else's freedom, hey, man, you want to slather yourself up with butter on Wednesdays? That th In your house, that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Nothing. And now the next level of freedom will be like, I don't know about this butter slather thing, but let me go over his house on Wednesday and try it out. Let me see how I like it. And then make the decision to go, nah, it's just not for me, but hey, y'all do y'all Wednesday thing. I'll send you guys some, some, some butter as a gift. You know, those are the different levels of freedom. And the general public acquiesces to infringements on their freedom because freedom is hard work. You know, the land that we have um, for, my, for myself and family, I want to completely, that water got to come out that well. You know, that, that electric and that energy has to come from the land. And so I don't, I don't want the government involved in my life at all. And I'll have to figure out a way to not have to pay so-called property taxes for something that they have no involvement in the maintenance of. And uh, I think that when you look at it from that perspective, um, most people would not want to be free. They, they, like, they like being able to go, like shop whenever they want. But like to be able to say, I don't have to pay anyone for any of my food, clothing, and shelter. I don't have to involve anyone in that. I think that we start to recognize the trade-off that comes with limited government. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of encroachment into my rights because you guys are going to dig the pipelines to make water in our city. I'm going now, if they want to overfluoride it, it's their pipes. It's 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 theirs. That you just using it. You paying for it. You should have a say in what you want to go in it, but that's a fight too. And so I think that the general public has to be re-informed. I don't want to say educated because educate means kind of like you're editing a dictation. Um, the general public has to be should be reinformed about what the rights, responsibilities, requirements, and resources are involved with their freedom. And uh, you know, even in even in turmoil, the level of poverty in America because of 
the infrastructure that's built. It's easy to be less free in a space where everything's made for you. But then when you took 10 years and built a home and built some land and built wells and built all of that and, and built electric and you had all of the things, you know, you build a movie theater, you build the outdoor range, you build the outdoor gym, you build the indoor gym, you build a pool, you build all of the things that you like in society on your space. You'll see how much more uh, quenching of the thirst for freedom and responsibility it is. But the general public and most of the cities never experienced that. So we just got to reinform people about the historical context of freedom and uh, what societies have have been free and what that looks like as well as the, the the rights that you have with it for sure. But again, those come with rights, responsibilities, requirements, and resources. And then we'll, we'll get people making a better decision if they want to live in a big city and give up some of those rights or live, you know, more suburban and rural and, and have complete, uh, uh, you know, dominance over their own freedom. Yeah. yeah. Marge, you know, I, yeah. Well, I'm just, just curious, what were you going to say? Are you, on the, are you on the same train, train of thought? I'm a, I'm a little bit on the same train of thought, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm curious, like, <laughs> when you bring up these ideas and these mm -hmm. concepts, and based on all your education, all your reading to people in the communities that you go to, um, and, you know, maybe they're in more left or liberal uh, communities, like, what's the pushback? Or what, how what, how these dialogues go? There is no pushback. You can't you can't argue with it. It's, it's almost impossible to argue with. My skill set is the ability to translate information very well and articulate it to a person that may have not read Bastiat, yeah. right? The law is a very thin book by Bastiat. Hmm. But if I can translate that and disseminate the information, conceptually, it makes sense. And that's not me saying that in a sense where um, people from suburban or rural or urban demographics won't grasp the information. But in the short conversation, you have to speak in parables and simplistic ways for anybody to get anything. That's a skill set as an educator. So when I do that, and I not, not to sound arrogant, that's that's I take pride in that ability. It's it's impossible to argue against it. It 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 makes too much sense. This is the reason why we we started the BLM, um, the Black Libertarian Movement, um, because we recognize that urban demographics need to stop waving a white flag on things that are in opposition to their liberty. We got to wave a black flag. We got to, this libertarian movement needs to be in these urban centers. Because when you explain to somebody a very simple concept about less government, and if there is government around, that government has a very small responsibility. It's protect us from outside enforces, you know, security outside of the nation, interstate traffic, maybe some hospitals, and defending the rights of the individual. It's very simple. Um, and there's, this is the reason why so many platforms get a little bit afraid to have a long format sit down with me, especially the ones that say they're for urban demographics, because I will shift the thought process of the people listening because you can't argue against it. it and, and there's not even a desire to argue against it or give pushback. It goes, nah, that makes sense. That makes 100% sense. If you ask somebody in a hood, do you want the government taking money out of your check? They're going to say, hell no. That's easy for me to introduce them to why libertarians want to remove um, not only centralized banking, but the IRS and the central bank and the Fed and all of that. All of that's tied into the IRS. And when, I, when they go, well, how? And then I say, well, the central bank, like the founder said, we don't want to centralize money supply. 
This central bank hijacks the money, hijacks the printing, fucks with the inflation rates, creates inflation, hyperinflation, stagflation, recessions. It is bad for economies, and that impacts your dollar and your spending power over time. When you say that to somebody, that's going further down a rabbit hole for them. But when you say the IRS was started in 1913, it was supposed to be temporary. So people telling you, you got to pay into this thing, that was supposed to be temporary and you shouldn't do it. They go, yeah, I, I didn't want to do it. When I, Here's what I made and here's what I took home. That person is, is automatically enlightened. They're autumn because they they're going through it. And you're 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 providing some answers to the questions that they've asked themselves. Certain things as, well, if the government, it's not really the government, it's the central banking, the Fed, but if the if they print up the money, why do they need my money? They print it. Just print up enough to run government without touching my money. That's a simplistic way of asking that question that everyone that's had a check, especially. You take a teenager and it's their first job and they like, I worked for two weeks and this is what I'm left with. The The explanation of it is to just guide them down their path, this journey to more enlightenment and more freedom. And the more in enlightenment and in freedom that we direct people towards, the more it becomes a spiritual path. There's, there's no, it's damn near no way to quantify this outside of a concept of good and evil. Like, it's almost like, hey, you made, right here, I got a bowl of watermelon, right? I've been really, really trying to eat more fruits and vegetables. If I grew that watermelon in a place where I got 10 watermelons and I eat some for myself and I sell some to the people, I got 100 watermelons. And if I said, if that's how we grew and ate, then all we eating is that. Do you think that there should be a watermelon tax with somebody that never helped you till the soil, put the seeds down, water the joint, pay attention? Should they come take 30 of your watermelons? That person goes, hell no. Mm -hmm. That's us. And you know what I mean? So these explaining this and expanding from Black Guns Matter, BGM to BLM, Black Libertarian Movement, is just how we're going to galvanize those people as it relates to a better understanding of freedom. Anyone, anyone. Any entity, any governmental body, any bully that would be in opposition to them understanding more about freedom and limiting government, um, those people are on the side of evil. There's, there's no other way that I'm taking stuff from you that you do not consent to that I did not help you with. There is no way to classify that energy as good. It's too many contradictions. So no, I don't ever get pushed back. The problem is there was it was never, it wasn't generally in maybe five decades, maybe six at this point, it was not taught in these demographics by design. Yeah. It's not that the hood was exposed to it and the hood was like, nah, just give us more Democrat policies. Nah, you were not exposed and educated to it the way that you were educated and or indoctrinated to this so-called democratic legislation and policy. So all I got to do is show up. I said this at one of the events that I did. I said, when you, ex when you express liberty to the hood, it's like Coke in Miami in the 80s. It's going to sell itself. There's, <laughs> there, it's, there's no, I don't have to sell it. I'm the guy that has the cocaine. That's all of the hot girls in the 80s. Everybody wants to the party. They're going to bring me the money. I don't have to go, hey, man, you should buy cocaine. It's not what's, what's going to happen. People are going to be like, hey, do you have cocaine? It's the same thing with liberty. When people say, 
when they initially and erroneously think I'm a gun guy, because I'm not, when they think I'm a gun guy and they go, this dude is talking about, well, we haven't had a conversation about, we haven't mentioned guns at all pretty much and already. So that's, the gun is the small thing to, def to defend your life if need be. But it's bigger than just the physical body. It defends your way of life. It defends your value system. But if we don't educate the general public about how their value system may be, maybe you got hijacked. Maybe there's an operating system operating in your brain that is not of your mind. And if we start showcasing people that way, then we'll get some changes of hearts and minds and then we'll get political change because it's still going to tie into a form of politics because... You know, politics is how the world's resources are moved and you just have the vehicle of a political party um, or a political movement because it doesn't have to be in a party. It could just be, you know, a movement of people just choosing to go. No, nah, I, I agree more with this. So we don't get pushback because it, it, it makes too much sense. There's not there's there's almost no way um, to split the audience when it comes to liberty and the way that it's being explained. Mm -hmm. And and if someone can explain that thoroughly, the the best thing that will happen is certain platforms will try to ignore you or they'll highlight somebody that isn't as good as you. But they won't they won't argue against you. They won't even have you on a space to um, argue because your 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 talking points are, are too well rounded and holistic and, and on the side of good. You know, and by contrast, if I'm on the side of good and if you're on the opposite side of me, you're on the side of evil. Yeah. Like government is mafia. Like people don't realize this, you know, like every single mafia movie you've ever seen, they're just telling you about themselves, except they're dressed in the suit and tie. Just this malevolent entity trying to siphon your life force 24-7 from the, from the moment you're born. It's, it's the funny. movie. It's, it's the movie um, Gangs in New York. It's literally yeah, yeah. It's, it's the movie Gangs in New York. It's. The butcher is now a politician. Yeah. And even even when they pretended there was a scene in a movie where the one guy was like, look, we we know how we used to deal with things. Let's come in and talk. And he act like thought everybody thought he was going to come in and talk with him. He fucking stabbed him. And he's like, I don't care about that. This is about the force of the monopoly of violence. That is the gangs of New York. And the more people start to see that that's what it is. And it's in the opposition to the Constitution. More people will fight and fight these things up through the courts. And there's legal precedent already set. The truth is actually in our favor in historical context, Supreme Court context. They don't always get it right, but we just got to be willing to fight for it and remind people through that fight and defend it. And then as more and more people do it, the evil beings or the evildoers will just be a little bit quiet for a while. And they'll go, we can't, we can't do this one anymore. Let's try this one. You know, we can't do the tech. We, we have now the Overton window has shifted so much that now we have GOP rhinos, Republicans advocating for the ending of IRS. That is a 100% Ron Paul libertarian been saying y'all to this, to this, to y'all for 40 years. But that Overton window is shifting and it's not shifting because it's a new ideology. It's just going back to the constitutional principles. That's all. Yeah. And more people are getting hip to this and they're talking about it. So I think like there is pressure on some level for, for change. Yep. Mm. Yeah. You kind of answered the question I had before, which was, you know, how does how does order, I guess, come into play in like a truly free society, like some of the ones that you've mentioned? 
does government have any role at all whatsoever? And like, in, yeah. in, in, in my dive down the rabbit hole, it is simply in defending the rights of the individual, particularly from force and coercion, you know? That's it. And somewhere more and more people started trading more and more freedom for so-called security of the government. Mm. While the government literally said, I have no legal obligation to protect you. Like, that's the beauty of it. That The beauty of the hustle is, hey, give us more freedom for your security and we'll take care of you. And then not even fine print, not even like an asterisk, like the next line. It's like, oh, by the way, we have no obligation to actually protect you. It's, it's, it's the Jedi mind trick is so beautiful that like sometimes I sit back and I'm like, you know, my Nana, I say this all of the time. My nana, my nana used to say, respect the devil. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're, you're smart, but that energy is very ancient. So all of the things that you think you're smart about, the devil has seen it a thousand times before. So when you're playing chess, you should just respect when the opposing player uh, just makes a good move. You don't got to respond to it initially. You just respect the move. I, res I respect the energy of the devil. I am in opposition to it. But we on this we on this board together, and the, at the moment where you lose respect for an opponent, um, is the moment where that opponent can rock you to sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, one of my favorite uh characters in history is Mike Tyson. Mm. And, um, you know, I remember when Mike Tyson lost the first time. He lost to Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas. And he was over in Japan. I, I, I so if it's maybe from this podcast or other podcasts, I so want to sit down. I want to smoke with Mike Tyson and I want to like spar with Mike Tyson. Right. Safer for me to do that now. Not very safe because even at damn near 60 years old, he's an absolute monster um, in a good way. I mean, in, in the boxing ring. But um, I want to smoke, talk and spar with Mike Tyson. And I remember one of the things that he said about his loss in, Buster in, in Japan to Buster Douglas, he was like, you know, I, I just did not take that fight seriously. I just was over in Japan running through girls and this, mm. that, that, and he lost. And I remember um, the morning, my uncle used to bring newspapers home in Philly and um, he would come in in the morning and I remember getting a newspaper and I saw, I saw Mike Tyson on the ground and I cried. I cried when Mike Tyson lost the first fight. Like I was, cause we didn't have cable. You know what I'm saying? My grandma wasn't playing that shit. Like I'm not paying for that. And so uh, not only did I not have cable, we, even if we did, she definitely wasn't going to be spending no $50 on a pay-per-view fight. Like she, no. Yeah. But I would find, I would catch those fights via the newspaper the next day. And it was on the front cover. And I think he might've been like reaching for his mouthpiece. And I just, I cried. And so saying that to say, I've always paid attention to everything that Mike Tyson has done, said, you know, um, I just, I just, I'm I, like, I, he was my idol. And so when he said that, when he was like, yeah, I absolutely did not take that situation seriously enough. And your ego is not your amigo. So you think that I got this sold up. And it's like, no, you don't. Respect and, and maybe you do. Maybe you do. Good. Just keep working. Don't we not? We, you know we don't, we don't have to do all of that. Just keep working. But at the moment where you allow vanity to slip in, like the movie Devil's um, Advocate, you know yeah. you, you you're liable to fall. And so I just respect the devil and 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 
and try to make sure that all of my information, all of my approaches, the successes that we have in one thing, see if it's scalable. And if it is scalable, scale it, introduce it to people while respecting their freedom to completely disagree with you and just keep it moving. Mm. Yeah, dude, dude, I I love that you brought up Mike Tyson, man. I cried when he lost too, dude. I remember where I was when he lost. I, I grew up in the restaurant business. My dad had a New Jersey style diner. And I remember being by the cash register and someone telling tell me he lost. And I was just like, he was my favorite, man. I played Mike Tyson's punch out Nintendo all the time. I kicked his ass. So when you smoke, when you smoke with him and talk with him, let him know you're awesome. from the Here for the Truth podcast. Used to kick his ass and no one used to believe that I used to beat him. And I used to be like, all right, I'm not going to go through everyone now. My friends would come over. I just use the code. I used to remember the code and just go straight yeah. to Mike Tyson yeah. and take him out. But I, I, man, I practiced so hard to beat, to beat him. But anyways, but I, I love his journey and I love his story. You know, and he's such a interesting character and like his Broadway show and his documentary, his documentary, man, brought me to tears. But anyways, like I, I totally guys, deal with this. Have you guys heard the song Tyson vs. Douglas by the Killers? No. No, right. no, no. That was such a, like, it was, I'm probably a bit younger than that for that moment to rock me the way that it did. But it yeah. seems like that's like a generational, super sentimental, nostalgic, impactful moment. Like they wrote a song that's talking about, you know, how like, everyone was so rocked and in tears by that particular Lost, like it impacted entire generation a certain way. It's so interesting. I just That's looked wild. it up right now. Yeah, bro, it's 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 cool. dope. Check it I out. I mean, it's a, it's an icon- iconic moment in sports. Yeah. You know, it's, one one of one of the most. It's it's what it's what America will be. That part where he loses. It's what America and potentially humanity will be if we don't get our shit together. Yeah, like, yeah. At, at that time. He, his name is Iron Mike Tyson. He's knocking dudes out. If you get up and go get popcorn at the fight, you just lost 10 grand for that seat. Like, it's just it. And it's America is so steeped in this concept of patriotism, or at least we say, and liberty and freedom. And the, the, the founding documents 100% support that. But you could be Rome. Have, has either one of y'all been to Rome? Mm-hmm. Rome looks shitty. Like right now, like I get the the, the historical, like the Colosseum and the, the greatness that we have, but Rome looks very, the city that I was in is very like touristy and sh- like almost like Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to diss the people of Atlantic City, anything like that, but it's like, there's clearly a difference between Miami and Atlantic City. Atlantic City is different now. You can be, you you can you can be an empire that falls like these these coliseums from thousands of however many years back. We have coliseums in every major city. They're sports complexes. You can fall, and the 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 story of Mike Tyson is a story of growth, expansion, at a very rapid pace. America's a very young nation, like that got everything right. As, well, a few things wrong, but oh, and some key things wrong. But overall, great expansion in a short period of time. And you have a constitutional republic. If you stay in your, if you check and balance yourself and you be on point, if you follow this code, you'll be cool. But now you're sliding off into debauchery and just un, like a, unbalanced debauchery in every single lane that every single republic that then overdid itself and became an empire and then overstretched itself, you're doing the exact same thing. 
you are about to get knocked the fuck out like Mike Tyson in Tokyo. And the world should really, if you if you desire to live in a, a constitutional republic, or if you're in a constitutional republic, you should really take heed to what is being said right now. You are Iron Mike Tyson in 86. Them years will fly by. And if you are not paying attention to what it means, because republics usually only last about 200 years. So like, we're this close to getting knocked the fuck out. We're doing all of the things that the empires do. And, you know, hold your family and loved ones close and, and try to re-educate and inform and course correct. Because if we all individually choose to do it with that looming lesson of if you don't, what happens? We co then collectively can make a lot more different decisions because we influence a generation or two back in the direction of the a constitutional republic with a respect for the individual right, as opposed to overstretching yourself. Yeah, you're in a different time zone with it. Mike was in Japan sleeping around with a bunch of ladies. There's a there's a time difference there. You know what I'm saying? And so you better get with the time, the current time and maintain the original um, balance of what needs to happen for you to, to be great. And uh that I don't really know of a better I didn't make I just made this up now. I don't really know if I know of a better analogy of what no. we gotta deal with. Oh, Mike, this is Mike. the first time you've had that analogy, man. It's, yeah, it's ever it's spot on, man. Yeah. Mike Tyson as a microsm of America. I love it. I'm, I'm yo, I'm tweeting that right now. That's it, man. <laughs> we'll have we'll have to we'll have to clip that too as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so, like how do we like, it's not like the collective is all of a sudden going to wake up and shift and be like, all right, now I'm fucking standing on the on the principles of freedom, right? It's like, it really comes down to each individual listening to this conversation and really implementing these philosophies within their own life and, you know, in actionable ways in how they currently operate and engage with reality. You know, it's up to the individual at the end of the day to make this shift. It's not like people can sit back and just listen to this conversation and be like, oh, yeah, there's people out there having the conversations, doing the things, taking the steps. Yeah. It's like, where are you being encroached on your individual life? Where yeah. is your where is your freedom burdened? And what do you need to do to remove those chains? And yeah. if if anyone um like questions if their freedoms are or are not being infringed, I promise you they are. If you're single right now, again, when you get your check. The Think about this. The government took the money out of your check before you saw it. Yeah. That is not freedom. That's an encroachment. Um, the government, if you're married, if you got a so-called marriage license, the government told you what you have to pay them to have that license. The exchange of a, a spiritual union between two people, the government said, we determine that. And if you don't give us money, we will not validate it. If you are a uh, person that's over 65 or you're about to go in that direction, there's stories as recently as yesterday, 
talking about how Social Security probably won't even like be there for you to like a big chunk of what you was going to get is gone. It's going to be reduced. This is all problems by issued and created by the government, by the state. I don't I, don't, I want people to understand that the books that we, uh, you know, libertarians and independent thinkers and books that we read can be complex. Austrian economics can be complex. But it's not as complex as some would have us to believe. No. The government, overreaching government, in licensing, telling you what you can and cannot do, while centralizing money supplies, while adding to the inflation on those dollars, historically, not just in America, globally, has been the downfall of every major civilization. Yeah. All of the time. If they influence it through education by removing certain things, we're going to remove home economics. We're going to remove woodworking and crafts. We're going to remove um, uh, rifle teaching in school. That's the state saying, no, we don't want to educate. We want to indoctrinate. That's the government doing that. When someone says police brutality is an issue in America, that is the government. When someone says, I don't like white people, I don't like black people, right? And when the government says, you, black people, cannot go drink from this water fountain. That was the government saying you can't. They sanctioned it. And then a few decades later, they reversed it and was like, you, white person that doesn't like black people now, or whenever you didn't, you have to let this person in your establishment. That's still the government. That's the government getting involved in things that would have just been an involuntary, excuse me, a voluntary association or disassociation. It's always the government. It is not, it is the fact that you might not like white or black people, I'd be willing to bet it's government propaganda via the media that made you believe that. So our job is to just simplify it and showcase it to the general public. And it does not have to be because I hear, you know, some libertarians, they, they're very insignificant. But some of those guys got a microphone and they say, say things like Maj is dumb, Maj isn't smart. Man, I've probably forgotten more than those guys will ever know. I read a lot, um, but I'm just not in the business of trying to make it sound super complicated for people to think I'm really smart. I think we should spend less time on being smart per se and being wise. Wisdom is way more potent than smart. Like smart is me knowing that the sun is 93 million miles from the earth. Wise is figuring out how I can use sunlight to feed myself. Smart is knowing the Pythagorean theorem. Wise is knowing that that has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I got going on in my life. You know, and so the, sim the simple way, Jesus spoke in parables and, and, and like books like, Jesus wasn't using his book, but like stories like Aesop's fables, that wise stories that people can relate to that, um, speaks to them to challenge themselves to live to a higher ideal. And that's what this freedom thing, this liberty thing, these challenges and you being um, a soldier for those things and being steadfast and staying on, on point, that's where it becomes very, very spiritual. It's a hero's journey. It's a hero's journey. There's no doubt about it. Like heroes and villains are pretty much made like, from the same thing, like all heroes and all villains are born out of tragedy. 
like just your something fucked up happened to you or your parents or something. The very minuscule thing that, but big thing at the same time that changes a person from going to be a villain and going to be a hero is just their responses to the trauma. Yeah. Bro, like they, they've made education so complex, you know, and I, I, I fell in love with educating myself, you know, yeah. when, when it came to reading the, you know, the, the, the truth, in my opinion, of, of, of what these things are really echoing. To me, Austrian economics is really simple. But yep. the economics they tried to teach me in school, the macroeconomics, it has no logic foundation. It's difficult. It turns me away mm. from it altogether, you know? That's like the learn, goal. Learning about individual rights is super simple. It's logical. It's coherent. I understand it. It makes sense. But That's all the, the vomit goal. that gets spewed at me is difficult. It turns me away from wanting to educate myself. But again, let's look at that word, yeah. education. Mm. Etymology is so beautiful. When it you is. edit and dictate to someone, that's not informing. Information gets you in a formation. Like when you were in the military, mm. get in formation so we can go do something. Get in formation so we can move out, right? And edited dictation is me editing what I want to tell you. And that system isn't broken. Like the, the public school system as it relates and is, is, is known under um, when the Rockefeller family created it, when it was, it, it wasn't initially called the Department of Education. It was called something else. But he had a very, he was very honest about what the goals were. The goals wasn't to make free thinking people. We don't need no more Nikola Tesla's running the fuck around from his perspective. I need workers. Yeah. I need busy. Bzz, 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 bzz. And they tell you in the, it's in the movie Ants. It's in the movie B with Jerry Seinfeld. My point in saying this is, that system is designed to do exactly what it's doing. So when you say that so-called education or information turned me off to learning, that's what it was supposed to do. Yeah. And then you, then you take in like, oh, the standardized scholastic test. Now that's real. Like, I'm not super rich, but I ain't broke. I've made more money from like, common sense things. Hey, I have a cool design. Maybe I should print it on a t-shirt. Maybe being a bitch is un-American. Maybe there's people that feel like that. Maybe I should make it in a tank top too because some guys want to wear that for 4th of July. Some some do, women want to wear that in the gym. Maybe there's a lot of people. That, so let's get t-shirts and let's put them on the t-shirts and let's sell them. Free market enterprise. Let's sell them at a competitive price where we can make a decent profit for ourselves and keep our thing going. And the general public can buy it for a price that they're proud to pay. I'll put $20 towards that T-shirt. Cool. It's in alignment with... That's not complicated. No. Mm -hmm. It's not complicated. It's just, it's just not. And then you, you mess around and make $600,000 in T-shirt sales. I saw a company that started in... Um, 2019, and I think he was making blank T-shirts, though. And from 2019 to 2023, that company did $250 million in sales making T-shirts. And I'm pretty sure they're blanks because I, I just read it in passing. But my point is, it's not complicated. The wisdom is, 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 is very simple. It's, it's, it's hard to 
be disciplined in a world of chaos that to apply wisdom, you know, hey, man, I'm not where I want to be at in life. Well, maybe you shouldn't go out every night. Yeah, but I'm addicted to going out. Well, there's your struggle. But the wisdom of what you need to do to advance is very simple. It's very simple. And so our job at BGM and BLM is to simplify everything for everyone, not because you're not going to learn, not because uh, we're, we're in people with the soft bigotry of low expectations. We're saying we need to refine systems to make sure that people can get in and get streamlined and get on this freedom train really, really fast and efficiently. And if people are trying to convince you that this has to be complicated, um, I would question, I would question their uh motives. I would question their motives. When when you have people acting like, and I see it in you know in the libertarian, uh, small sections, very again, very few insignificant amounts, but loud. And loud people can influence people in the middle. I see a lot of people getting mad that I'm simplifying libertarian values and taking them to the hood. I question their motives. I question, I question why these same types of people that would say this to me are the same people that seem to always have something negative to, to say about black people from their state chapter pages. I would question their motives. And I they are free to do that. I question why they're why they're doing things to make urban outreach for libertarian values more difficult. I question that. I question when these same people believe that there's no way we're in a post-influential society where we can't influence the masses. I hear that and then I see what the about to be president of Argentina is a libertarian. Argentina's about to like adopt Bitcoin as a way across the board that you can pay for everything. Yeah. So I question why these people that are attacking uh, and trying to make libertarianism so complicated when it's being expanded into the demographic that we need the most, I question their motives. And everyone else should too. Maybe your questions are wrong, but I think you should question. And so yeah. when people are trying to make these things complicated or give you all of this pushback, when you're articulate, when you've articulated these very simple terms and you've shown support and history shows, like when people say America could never be libertarian, how? All of the founding documents are libertarian. So we just got to make sure that we're looking for um, small victories, make sure that we're looking for simplistic and wise answers. And we're just being a little bit leery of people that would tell us that everything is going to be super duper complicated all the time. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I think also if you if you can complicate things or tell people it's complicated, then they're just going to look to someone else for the answers. And so it's a strategy to get people to not think for themselves and go, yes, what should I do? Tell me what to do next. Yeah. Maybe and I just got to be a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the real like information is going to be empowering. And the reason it's simplistic is because it's natural. It's in alignment with your own psychology. It makes a lot of sense the moment you read it. Like no one in school was telling me to read Mises, to read Rand, to read Bastiat. You know, like you need to go and seek outside the system, which would seek to control you to find yeah. the information which will empower you. And it'll start, you'll start attracting more and more. That's why I always say this stuff is spiritual. It's like almost like, you guys ever buy a car and you really like the car, and then after you buy the car, you see the car everywhere? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If that's not attraction and that's not a magnet, magnetic frequency, that it's science, but it's almost like a spiritual science. Yeah. You know, and so this is where all of these things are intertwined. That's why, you know, it, to me, it's just very imperative 
that as more as as, as much as I'm walking around, I'm gonna try to just involve people in that process as much as I can, as 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 much as they want to be. And just accepting their liberty to say, nah, I just want to be a Democrat. I just want to be a Republican. I just, I don't want to look deeper. Cool. You know, and not not burn that bridge. If the bridge is still there, there's no need to burn it. I'm not going to burn it unless it needs to be burnt. But, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't close doors for potential opportunities. And um, we've been successful in that. Yeah, man, you're doing your thing, man. You're giving your gift. You know yourself and you know you what you want to bring into the world. And it's up to the individual to go, hey, I like what Maj is talking about. I'm going to see if I can integrate this into my life or not, you know? Yeah. So that's it. There's like a little, there's not as much attachment to it. You know, you're just like, I'm doing me. If you're cool, cool. If not, whatever. You know? Um, like, cool. Do you. Like, <laughs> yeah. here's what I'm doing. If you ask me, you know, it's like them commercials. Find out about X. Ask me how. Like, that's it. It's not yeah. complicated. Yo, Maj, we're an hour in. Yeah. But I definitely do want to, like, get into Black Guns Matter, man. And, you know, what inspired it. And kind of just talking about this topic a little bit for our audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, and particularly, man, we have a very international audience. For example, like, yeah. I'm Australian. You know, I've got a lot of Australian listeners, Canadian listeners. Like, for us, bro, like, we've been completely, like, programmed to not even consider guns as something that's correlative to freedom at all. You know, in 1996, we had the quote-unquote Port Arthur Massacre and, you know, they pretty much confiscated 650,000 guns in the 90s. And ever since then, you know, Australians have been thinking that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to Australia. So, yeah. They, I don't know if Australia has had, um, the closest thing that, you know, that resembles it since then, because usually most people don't die from shootings. So that's the other part. You can take something bad happens and then the government says, we want to take the gun so you'll be safe. But generally, people aren't getting killed. So like even even in America where they say, oh, there's so much death around guns, there's 30,000 deaths. They don't tell the international community that 60 percent of those are suicides. So like they don't say that. So generally, on average, there's 300,000 times a year where someone presents a firearm to save or defend life, meaning there's 300 on a light year, there's 300,000 defensive gun usages annually. So 30,000 deaths associated with firearms, 60% of those are people choosing to end their own life, but 10 times that amount is when people use a firearm to defend life. Most of those are non-lethal. So the government says, oh, things have been good since we took your right to defend your life. With Again, they don't tell you those numbers and they don't show you that, yo, in reality, most people are just good people. Most people are not walking around with a gun shooting people. So for some time, nothing happens. And people are like, yep, it's because the guns are gone. That's why everything. But nothing was happening before they took the guns. I mean, to the number that they're trying to scare you into believing. Mm -hmm. Like in America... Mass, what they call mass shootings make up less than 1% of shooting. It makes up, death is death, but so-called mass shootings make up less than 1%. So they'll highlight that one and say, oh, we got to do something. What they're not being genuine about with us is we want to take your individual gun ownership so we have the monopoly of violence. That's it. So later on, fast forward from 96 in Australia, Fast forward to when they say, we're going to put you in COVID camps. 
and the fuck you going to do about it? You didn't think about that in 96 because you bought hook, line, and sinker, this concept that, oh, violence is everywhere. And it's not. In America, since the 90s, when there's been more and more um, licenses to carry issued, damn near 30, dec- 30 years, three decades, violent crime in America, outside of maybe a few year spikes, one of those spikes being COVID when you guys told everybody they couldn't go to work, when depression was up um, and economies were down, other than spikes like that here and there, violent crime nationally in America has been on the decline since the 1990s. So to not, it's just super disingenuous to not tell the whole story. But again, just like the Department of Education, media outlets, their job is not to tell you the whole story. That's like a part of their job. Their part of their job is to tell the story that benefits their ad revenue, that benefits their donors and their sponsors, that benefits we have positioned ourselves as left of center or right of center we want to tell you things that benefit the left of center or the right of center we do not want to be objective and actually inform you so when you look at it through that lens and then when you look at historically in in global conversations every time generally there's like a massive confiscation of firearms there's like massive like people die. The only thing that's stopping people from, like America as a government, the Ameri- United States government is horrible. Like they've been bullies across the planet for a very long time at this point. One of the only things that stops other places from coming and like really getting busy with us is you can't invade us. We have, we will fuck you up. Like there's not even like a question about it. Like Americans will shoot you. So it's almost like you got to kind of play like defeat them from the inside, make them fall on their own asymmetrical warfare type thing. But like where we are situated geographically, you got to cross an ocean to get to us this way. You got to cross an ocean to get to us this way. Our neighbors to the north and south of us are weaker than us. You just almost can't invade us. And that's because there's 300 million guns in circulation. 300 million guns in circulation, and on on average, there may be between 8,000 to maybe 15,000 gun-related deaths that aren't suicides with 300 million firearms. When you start looking at that picture and telling the international community what that actually looks like, not what every town or whatever other organization is lying about, and then when you put the caveat of what happened in Australia during the COVID thing, what happens in other nations that do not have private firearms ownership in places like London, where they've effectively stopped handgun ownership and then the stabbings start going through the roof. When you start having that fuller conversation, people are informed a, a much better way. The problem is the general public does not want to be honest and balanced about it, even on the pro-gun side, right? We don't say, I mean, we at Black Guns Matter do, we say, we needed to create things that were in alignment with the solution of that 60% being suicides. So we started, you know, the Solutionary Center where we do classes that deal with finance, economics, trades, skills, yoga, diet, health and wellness. Because that is more of a holistic approach to solving the problem that someone may feel while they may not feel whole and they feel like they want to get a firearm and put, a gun, put it in their mouth and blow their head off. If we can make this person be a part of the um, the human dream, the American dream, and feel like they have a sincere 
chance, we can cut back on the 60% of the deaths. So that's why we started doing things that were in, at the Solutionary Center that were more in alignment with that. But Black Guns Matter was to just inform people that the government is the problem and we need to have means to defend ourselves from overreaching government as well as more frequently the potential bad guy that may be in our neighborhood. And when you look at it through that lens, when government is saying we should only have guns and you shouldn't, that is a clear indicator that the government probably wants to take the guns from you because they're afraid that you're going to find out that they've already done something that you probably should shoot them for, or they're about to do something that you probably would shoot them for. And so yeah. when you look at that data in that way and you start to educate the people and on the, on the, you know, um, on a practical level, whether that's domestically or internationally, people start to view it differently. I, I think that the next round of Black Guns Matter, right now we focus really on the Solutionary Center, um, finishing its last um, goal of a little under $300,000 left to raise so we can buy this building outright. Um, but I think that the next phase of Black Guns Matter will be going and having these conversations internationally because... South America, I forget what president it was. It was a president of South America that was like, we want a second amendment. It might have been Brazil. It might have been yeah. Brazil. Bolsonaro, is that his name? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. And it's like international community. You look at France. You look at them, the rebellions over there. They're like, no, this is silly. We're not doing this. When you looked at how many people were in opposition to the, you know, and if you watch, if you don't watch international news in America, you'll be thoroughly misinformed or deflated because they'll make it look like everybody's compliant. Man, we had revolutions all over the world over these last couple of years. There, I saw footage of, in France, they took a sewage truck and was spraying this shit onto parliament because yeah. they were in opposition. So the international community needs to amplify that voice as it relates to their sovereignty as well. America cannot be, our government is not an, a moral authority to advocate this. The people have to. The people from these different places like Australia, like, you know, Brazil, like the, remember uh, the Chinese people were waving American flags a few years ago when Trump was in office asking for a Second Amendment. The people got to start highlighting that through content, the Internet and empowering the people to advocate for their human right to keep and bear arms. And if we do that. We, we make it we push back against a global agenda. And they're like at this point, it's not a conspiracy theory. They mm -hmm. definitely have conspired and they are conspired. Like at this point, Klaus Schwab and them dudes is just like, listen, you guys are going to be slaves. And that's it like that. Like that's just what in essence, they're how, like how they packaging. So it's not even like, you know, maybe 30 years ago, somebody would be like, OK, sure, they're coming for your guns. It's, it's out. You're going to you, you will have nothing. You will enjoy it. You're going to eat bugs. You're going to do electric. Like, come on, it's it's. It's every fucking movie. It's 1984. It's Judge Dredd. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Demolition Man. It's like all of the movies. And so I think that there's a vast international community that someone like myself or other folks like you gentlemen can communicate and we, and we can get that kind of work done as it relates to firearms as well as just liberty. And I think that's necessary for this pushback for the small amount of people that want to control the vast amount of the world's population and, and and the general public needs to really, really organize collectively to push back against that. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, man. And it's pretty wild how people can't even see here in the US, like the areas that have the most gun violence have the highest gun control laws. Like it just that that right there just seems 
so simple to me. And yet they can't take that reality and then allow that to kind of inspire new thought around they, that. Like it, it's just, they close my mind. They can. The messenger's got to be right. The, yeah. the, the messenger sometimes, unfortunately, might be equally as, if not more important than the message. It, in reality, it's not more important, but perception is a big thing. So everything that I'm saying now, Ida B. Wells said back in the day. Everything that I'm saying now, um, Thomas Paine said back in the day. Everything that I'm saying now, every, every freedom fighter in opposition to tyrannical situations said however long ago. The problem now is... Um, we have not had enough men and women willing to take up the task of articulating it. You you almost kind of got to be an educator. You know what I mean? And so, but when you, to the earlier point, when you educate the people properly, um, they receive that information very, very well. And um, I'm just, I'm just good at it. I'm just good at simplifying it and, and, you know, and not, not making ourselves feel, I watch a lot of guys like get this like um, arrogant, uh, I'm the savior of people. I remember, uh, I, I forget which artist it was. And he was, oh, it was Kanye. And Ye was saying how um, he was talking to Lauren Hill about, yo, I'm the leader and they not listening to me. And Lauren Hill said, you're a leader, not the leader. And he humbled himself and received what she was sharing. So I think that... Um, when that messenger is 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 articulate and relates enough without letting their chest puff up too much, the people receive it well. You know, when when you talk about great leaders that were solid men and solid women, they were confident. I'm not saying shrink into yourself and dim your own light. They were confident, but they were also they also recognized that they were servants. You know, we're public servants, and so when you when you have the right messenger with the right message, like right now is the perfect time. They will receive it because if not, Black Guns Matter wouldn't have done what our stated goal was. We said in 2016 we were going to make the urban demographic be the newest, largest gun buying demographic. And we did that within three years and less than $300,000 by just going to the classes, setting them up, going all over the country and teaching and then getting on platforms and talking about it. Um, the power of the platform If you in the podcast, you see Vivek Ramaswamy and RFK Jr. are going to podcasts. They're not mm -hmm. spending a bunch of money on like yeah. so-called traditional media. And so this this perfect, beautiful storm of freedom that's brewing um, will we'll continue to, you know, make more leaders and make more, um, you know, leaders make more leaders. And so those leaders will inform the masses and the masses make better decisions. And and I don't I don't subscribe to the nihilistic view that at, we're in this, like as some of those libertarians would say, we're in a post-influential society. That's just stupid. It like I'm a libertarian because my good buddy Mike Heiss like said you should run as a libertarian. I mean, like joining a party, doing this, you know, I had liberty and freedom values forever, but I, I could see the importance of galvanizing and using a political vehicle. So when someone says we're in a post-influential society, they're not paying attention to the reality. There's a bunch of 
pe- people that are making millions of dollars because they are influencers. Mm-hmm. And companies would not be paying them a bunch of money if they could not see a return on that investment for their influence. So we are not in a post-influence influential society. We are in a very influential society. And another uh, example of that proof is if we couldn't be influenced in urban demographics, democratic policies and politicians wouldn't be here so much. If the die was cast and there was no way for us to escape, they would not put the money up every few years to make, or while they're there the whole time, continuing to pump propaganda. You, It has to be a constant. So we can fight for this thing the right way. But I think to you guys' point, I do think that BGM needs to link up with like-minded folks um, on an international community and, 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 and change those hearts and minds as well. Yeah, I'm just loving this conversation, man. I love what you're about, dude. It's so good to have you on here. Just the the way you speak with passion and enthusiasm, and and you're doing the work, man. You're just you're not just talking the talk. Yeah, man, you've yeah. been doing it for for years. Yeah, man. My man used to say, "No time for talk," because I walk what I talk. Yeah, and and I I love what you said too, because m- most people, man, are just done with the mainstream media. Yeah, they're just done with it. I mean, there's a reason why podcasts are growing. You know, and people are coming on them, like you said, the people before, man. And it's like, these are the platforms that people can take more uh, ownership over their lives. Like, I get to choose what information I want. That's why they're censoring. I mean, you know, we've been censored. We got booted off YouTube like a year in, you know, and I I mean, how how many of us, how many people, you know, how many friends of ours have been booted and deleted off all these social media platforms multiple times over, you know, and so that says something. Yep. So, so I'm an optimist, man. I know Joel and I are optimists, man. We want to give power to the individual. You talk about leadership. Yeah. I mean, le- true leaders are balanced, man. They're they're not just puffing their chests up, and they're not and they're they're balanced individuals that go. You have your individual mind. How can I inspire you to take ownership over your life, over your body? You know, to connect, to build, to build emotional intelligence. So then you know how to communicate. Yep. Because having the knowledge is one thing, but if you don't know how to communicate, if you don't know how to read behavior, if you don't know how to tune into someone and connect with them even heart to heart, you know, and that's what's going to get a person really inspired to make changes in their life. The, the, that's been the biggest problem that I've seen when I've kicked it with time trying to influence people in a GOP or inform them and people in a, not as much in the Libertarian Party. There's a, a few small amounts of folks, but like, Getting people to understand, like when, when I remember when I used to hear so many conservatives say, "Facts don't care about your feelings," because they heard Shapiro say it, and I'm like, "Yeah, facts might not care about your feelings, but you're not engaging facts. You're engaging humans. Like you're dealing with other people that have feelings, and it's like a person can be like, "Yeah, I don't like that guy's vibe. A vibe is a vibration. It's a feeling, and so getting people. That's where we have been successful with the Libertarian Party. Huge shouts to." You know, the chair, Angela McArdle, huge shouts to Mike Heiss, who uh, is the founder of the Mises Caucus, huge shouts to um, all of those state chairs that are willing to say, yo, Maj, help us out with this urban part. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, I think that it's very important for us to. um, When people see, hey, we got new leadership and we want to revamp this thing and this demographic, we may not know necessarily how to engage it most effectively when they get liaisons to say, yo, we got you. Those are things that are super, super beautiful. And that's what the libertarian party on a national level. And a lot of the state chapters have been doing. Um, and I think it's beautiful. I think that that has not happened. Some people are stuck in a fool. When I said question their motive, 
Um, some people are have no interest. They think that urban demographics, which is the most densely populated areas in the country, they think that these are unwinnable districts. And it's just it's just not true. You win the district by changing the minds of the people in the district. That's what outreach is. And so there's never a time when, you know, I talk about liberty philosophy and then I say, yeah, I'm a libertarian. And the hood go, well, what's that? And they go, yo, I never even heard of this. That means we got a great opportunity. And everyone from across the country needs to make sure that they're paying attention to those opportunities. Take those small hits when you get them. You know, the, okay, great. You If you're out on a date and you're single, a single dude, okay, you didn't hit, you didn't, weren't able to take a 10 home that night. It's the end of the night. The club's about to let out. You're going to take the seven, bro. Take the seven. Get the seven out to the car. Have a great time. Get a number, so forth and so on. Take her home, whatever, however that goes. But just because you didn't get the 10, you shouldn't be like, ugh, it's, it's no way I'm going to get a six or a seven. Or do you just, you're not paying attention to the seven that's been giving you great conversation and intellectually sturdy, stimulating conversation. And she's a seven out of 10. So what? She doesn't have like, she's not Rihanna. Okay, well, maybe maybe you should be asking, hmm, what am I doing that I'm not attracting a 10? Why am I in not in, the, in a certain space to attract a 10? Maybe instead of just dis ignoring the seven, you should be paying attention to am I a 10, yeah. right? And so crude example, but it's similar. Take advantage of those small opportunities to have discussions about liberty, even if it's just, you know, repeating the same thing a bunch of times. I Our Black Guns Matter classes are basic classes. I know way more than the basics, but I, it's not about me. It's about the people that have no idea what the basics are. Same thing with liberty. Same thing with gun ownership. Same thing with um, a conversation about emotional intelligence. You know, some people just need to be, okay, some horses won't drink when you get them to the water. But those 10 over there out of that 100 will hydrate. Yeah. Like, come on, bro, walk them over, have a conversation. Drink, be a horse too. Drink. Are, but you weren't even drinking. You didn't lead by example. Mm -hmm. Are you a thoroughbred or not? You know, and so these are the little examples that we just got to, all, all of us just have to consistently remind ourselves. It's a very humbling, respectful, um, more empowering and robust way to remember to look at the world. Yeah. And how you communicate, I, I brought it up earlier, but like talking at someone versus like using a more Socratic method, like you even talked about earlier in the, in the, in the podcast, you ask these questions to people. And the thing is, they don't either, maybe they don't have the answers to the questions or they don't even know that these are questions that can even be asked. And so they're like opened up and they're like, wow, that's interesting. You know, Maj bringing up these points. And then maybe they come back to you and go, I don't really know what that is. Like, tell me more about it. And then you can come in and drop your knowledge and wisdom. And then, and then that dialogue ensues in a much different way than you just like coming into someone and be like, yo, you're a fucking idiot. You know what the fuck you're talking about. They're trying to take your fucking guns. You're stupid. You know what I mean? It's the worst thing that I see some of these guys that are pretending like they are so about liberty. Now, I, sh I should be able to just say, you can. I get it. You can. You can just say, you can. But why? Is it helping your overall goal? Now, if your goal is to repulse people, Congratulations, you're winning. But if your goal is to spread liberty and spread a thought process and change hearts and minds, 
you're not, that's not doing it. And then you get mad at me when I'm showing some form of success. And then you say, oh, they, they're only highlighting Maj because he's black. I don't think so. Maybe it's because I'm very, very influential and impactful. And it is what I'm doing is working. But you don't like that. So again, you're mad at the seven. Are you a 10? Is your approach a 10? Of course you think you deserve Rihanna. Of course you think that. Do you? And you don't know how to talk to humans respectfully? You, you're, you're the bastion of a libertarian, but you're destroying every libertarian approach that doesn't go along with you being the person that's spearheading it? Maybe you're more of a separatist than a libertarian, and which is possible, and there's no negative judgment. It's just, let's evaluate what we actually are. I am yeah. never, I, I just heard uh, Wes Watson uh, on a video say this a few days ago. I am never good enough. And I don't mean like self-depreciation. I'm not, I'm not, I'm worthless. I mean, there's always room for improvement. And in those rooms for improvement, there's a consistent approach to make sure that I'm staying open to where those improvement targets and opportunities may show up. But I, I think that a lot of people like being a small fish in a small pond. I think that they look like looking like the cool person in the room. That's right. And I, you know what I mean? And I'm used there's, to that. I'm used there's, to There's a difference between the individual who embodies libertarian principles and those who just wear it as a mask because like, you know, it gets them attention for a short period of time. I'm a libertarian. Okay, and well, <laughs> well, no, forget everybody else that's not exactly like me. Well, that doesn't sound very libertarian of you. And maybe, maybe I'm falling victim because I'm falling victim into the what you're doing is not libertarian. Maybe I'm maybe I'm guilty of it too, because I just don't think that it's very libertarian for the vast majority of your conversation to be destroying other people. I think the the hallmark of of real of a of a solid Big L, little L, end cap, blah, 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 whatever. It's just someone that respects someone else's liberty. When 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 I go back and forth with some of these guys, I don't do, I can't do it anymore because I've given them a lot of, um, you know, like tweets. But like, so now I just don't even like, even I'm attacking the concept. Like even if it's one of their tweets, I'll like block out the name and just talk about the concept. Mm -hmm. But when I was going back and forth with those guys, those few guys, all I could think to myself was, is, man, I never see you spread this outside of your little bubble. And, and oh, of course, you want to say, well, I don't want to. It's not about spreading liberty. Okay. Yeah, because you can't. It's like when people say free market enterprise or they'll call it capitalism. Capitalism is bad. Of course, you'll say capitalism is bad because you don't know how to fucking make any money. Of course. Of course. Of course you think Bitcoin is stupid because you don't know how to get it and what to do with it and the intrinsic thing behind it. Yeah. So like, then it turns into that. Like, oh, you, that's not real libertarian. The, I've had conversations with people getting mad at me about my position on reparations. One, you don't know what reparations is. You've got a leftist propagandized definition of it. Two, you didn't ask me what it means. What do you mean by that, Maj, before you critique me? And then third, Rothbard had a position on reparations in 50 years ago. So you didn't even listen to your own scholar. Fuck me for a minute. You didn't even listen to your own scholar. 
Then when I present all of that, then they go, well, that was he he had a view of reparations. But uh, uh, shut up, shut up, bro. Get back in the books or get your head out of Twitter for a second. Go outside and spread liberty in your own town. I contend that the vast majority of people that consistently try to find a problem for every solution. They got something else going on. It might be bigotry. It might be the insecurity of not being the coolest guy in the room. It might be whatever, not looking like you're achieving the way that you want to, whatever that is. I contend that most of those people that take that position suffer from some some form of that. I If, if I suffered from that, man, um, a, a year or so ago, the, the Reno reset happened where the Liberta- uh, Mises Caucus took over the Libertarian Party, right? The room was star-studded. Dave Smith, uh, Zuby, uh, uh, Larry Sharp. Uh, well, I don't know if Larry Sharp was in that party, but Angela McCardle, Ron Paul. And I had to be on a stage with these people, like speak with, like, this is, if if you are timid in this room of, because libertarians have great minds, they're smart people. Maybe not the wisest, but smart. You have to be fully secure in yourself to be like, yo, I'm not in competition with any of these people. They have their own unique mark. They have their, like, what the fuck? How am I going to compete with Ron Paul? He's been right longer than I've been alive. Like, what, 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 what kind, you know how many books he's written? Like, what, what do you mean compete? There's, there's, there is no competition. Just go be you. You know, and so I think that there is a there's a a desire to use some of these platforms to fill in these holes that some of us have. And I'm not just attacking anybody. I'm saying it's something that I've suffered from, too, at different points. You know, I my friend, my friend Antoine is my trainer and he never trains like he very rarely trains legs and his calves. I will I, I low-key question like would I like drown eight bunnies for his calves? Right. And he doesn't train calves like that. And it's like, man, that's an insecurity. I gotta blast calves three times as much as he does. It's just what it is. Now, my shoulders, you may not be able to see it so much in this video because I'm leaning forward and stuff, but my shoulders, if I look at my shoulders, I'm gonna gain. I can just look at my shoulders and I'll get a, you know, a pump. There are some people that he doesn't have my shoulders. He's like, yo, bro, but you got that V taper naturally. My point in saying this is, yo, man, do what what you can where you are with what you have and just work your ass off. Ask that man how he got calves and he might tell you, sorry, bro, I never touch calves. It's just genetics. Now you don't feel so bad. He's like, but I do have a routine for you. This is what we have to forget just libertarians. Forget just gun owners. Forget just Americans. As humans, as humans that have our own sovereign individuality, we have to make sure that we're checking our own ego, figuring out where we can add to these conversations of all of those subcultures that I mentioned, guns, liberty, whatever, America. And we're doing that by making sure that we're being not only the best version of ourselves, but appreciating people struggling and rumbling to be the best version of themselves. And we're at different places in this journey. 
And my light does not take away from somebody else's. And if you help another person, like if I light a candle with a candle, it doesn't extinguish my flame. I just light another candle. And so getting our communities to kind of like lean from that space is the goal, the overall goal of what we're doing at BGM and BLM. And hopefully I can be a good servant and a public servant in, in that movement. And we can get this whole planet thing going in, in, in a proper direction. Very, very, very well said, man. You know, like libertarianism at the end of the day is all about honoring the individual, but like, are you honoring yourself as an individual for the own unique gifts and potential that you bring, the only you can bring? We're all born with different attributes, right? So focus on nurturing and growing that. And there's a lane for everybody, bro. That's what I've learned for sure. Right. Marsh, man. I think it's a perfect place to stop it. Yeah, yeah bro. So I was, about to, I was about to say exactly the same thing, man. This has been a, such a beautiful dialogue. Love your energy, bro. I love I love what you bring to the table here. Um, man, what would you like to leave in, in, I guess, passing to our audience and also let them know how they can best support you in, in everything that you're up to? Um, be kind to each other. You've been a victim of the world's largest psyop for the last three years. You have been. You may be stressing, you may be unemployed right now, um, but just remember to be kind to yourself and be kind to each other because that other person that you don't know is rumbling some shit like that too. Um, so yeah, be kind to each other, be easy on yourself, still work hard and work smart and be wise, but be kind to yourself as well as um, if anybody wants to support, man, we got to raise like a little under $300,000 left to our goal. If you've learned something in this podcast, make sure that you're sharing not only this podcast, but the other ones as well. Um, keep putting that energy out. Share it. You learn something from it. Somebody else might learn something from it. So donate if you have. Um, GiveSingo.com forward slash solutionary. Um, and just, just pay it forward, man. The classes that we give are free to all because of voluntary donations. And we want everybody to freely, voluntarily donate. So um, it would be dope if we could raise three million dollars, but let's get ten percent of that at three hundred thousand. Keep give, I've given all of the money away. I think so far we've given away around six hundred thousand dollars over the last few years. But uh, let's just let's just be kind and, and let's support the work. If you if you got something of value from this conversation, and um, if you're going through something, email me, man. Just it's my name, majtoure at gmail dot com. Just email me. I'd rather. You send me your phone number when we talk about it, then like read your obituary. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going through some shit, don't make my job harder by killing yourself with a gun. Don't kill yourself at all. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out a way we can get some money, some yoga, some some good fruits and veggies or something. But I'd rather I'd rather talk to you. I'm like super down to earth. So don't feel weird about, yo, I can't send him my number. Yeah, you can. And I'll probably call you more than like as like, soon as you send it because they come right to my phone. So um, let's just be kind to each other, support the work. And uh, yeah, that's it. Hmm. Much Thank love and respect, man. Yeah, totally. Thanks, man. Guys, right, thanks for listening. Take care, everyone. Such a dope conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you love what we're about, if you want to hang out with us, communicate with, with us directly and also a empowered, like-minded tribe of you know people really on the path um, of embodying some of the principles that we've talked about today, then we'd love for you to, you know, join our membership community, Friends of the Truth. You can join on a free trial, seven days free. Head to friendsofthetruth.co, introduce yourself, and, you know, be welcomed by really some of the best people. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. 
Waking up in a time they think you're in a delusion Somebody set the alarms cause they be too busy snoozing I'm in a DeLorean Fast forward and never 